Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you are all doing well. Week one is in the books. Liam, was week one quite good? <laughs> it was a mixed bag, to be honest. We I had a couple of good uh, weeks, but a couple of frustrating matchups where I was one of the top scorers and then ended up still losing my matchup because I went against the top in the whole league. So a bit frustrating, but let's face it, week one's all about beating someone and I beat you twice this week. So that's all I need to know. <laughs> I was wondering how long I was wondering how long into the show you were going to mention it. We got 10, 10 seconds in. There you go. It's official. Um I'd like to point out that you beat me once in the UKFL, I absolutely trounced you in the, in the Patreon league. And, and then you beat me in a dynasty league where I think I've lost, is it Acres, Dobbins, uh, and I'm I'm already rebuilding, considering we only started. I, I don't know. I'm not looking at your roster. I'm just enjoying the win, to be honest. <laughs> How have you done this week, mate? Well, considering um, average, average. I have got far too much Aaron Rodgers, far too much Ryan Tannehill, and far too much Saquon Barkley to uh, to have had a good week. Um, I won my home league, which you know that's that's the big one that matters. Um, I had I had a fantastic week in some tournaments. I was I think I was top fifty in Warrior Bowl, top uh, number one in the JTT Best Ball Cup. So uh, so yeah, it was 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 pretty good week. But uh, before we dive in, I just want to uh, to remind you that this show, uh, indeed the live stream and, and the podcast, is brought to you uh, by the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, for those of you who haven't gone out and got one as of yet, you are absolutely missing out. Um, Manscaped is, is the number one in men's below-the-waist grooming. Um, we've got an exclusive offer for you with 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code five yard. Um, basically, let's be honest, we've been talking about this now for, for almost a month. Um, the product is incredible. It has got some incredible features. You know, the little the little LED light, I have to say, is an absolute lifesaver. Um, honestly, don't just take my word for it. Go out, get one. You will, uh, you will thank me down the line, trust me. Um, so, Liam, diving into the show, 
Um, let's start with some high scorers. So, uh, so should we start at the quarterback position? Who who were the high scorers of the so, week? We had a bunch of high scorers, and it really depends on the type of format that you run. But realistically, you're probably looking at Kyler Murray scoring nearly 35 points um, as the QB1 this week. Mahomes with 33.3 points. And then, dependent on your format, really depends on the QB3, because this week we had Goff at 29.9 points and Winston at 29.6 for the QB3 and 4, respectively. So... Two people we probably weren't expecting to be uh, top four <laughs> quarterbacks. No, no surprises. No surprises uh, with Kyler and Mahomes. But yeah, Goff. I think it's interesting Goff being that high because I think it is, uh, you know, the the Detroit garbage time potential. Everybody thought they were going to be, a, you know, a, a tire fire, but actually that that could be quite quite juicy for fancy moving forward. I think Winston. I you know it was an NFL record in terms of five touchdowns on. As fewer passing yards, I, I don't think we can expect that from him every week. But I was certainly impressed with uh, with what we saw um, at the running back position. I think this this was pretty much as as expected, wasn't it? We had CMC, Joe Mixon, and, and Nick Chubb leading the way. Um, really, really impressed. Of unfortunately, I had to sit and watch CMC tear apart the Jets um, on Sunday, which which made my Sunday slightly more miserable. Um, what about what about the receiving so positions? Mari Cooper, Tyree Kill, uh, both go off for over thirty points, and then Debo, if he was in anything other than PPR, went for just under twenty, uh, just under thirty points. But Debo is a massive surprise again. No one expected Debo to be uh, wide receiver three this week or that high during the season. I don't think. I think that's a great uh, a, a great result for him. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, I think people expected that offence to produce. And I think there was always a question mark about who it was going to be, wasn't there? We saw Ayuk flash last year without Debo and Kittle in the lineup, um, And now it's a case of, is, is Debo the guy long term? Are we going to see maybe Ayuk come in next week and, and have a Debo-like game? I think it's a question for all of us, isn't it? And then finishing off the tight end position, of of course, you know, you, you couldn't expect not to see Gronk up there. I think everybody had him in for two touchdowns in week one, didn't they? Did, did, did you? Oh, the league in? that I'm trying to contend in, I had him on my bench. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I, I. Unfortunately, I think I went up against Gronk Ouch. in about ten leagues. It was it was ridiculous. Um, I, I on Thursday afternoon, I was thinking, oh, they're starting Gronk. What idiots! Um, and yeah, the, the egg was well and truly on my face. Um, then obviously we had we had Kelsey and and Hawkinson and, and Waller overnight have fantastic weeks, which which you'd expect. So to be honest, outside of the quarterbacks. No real huge surprises in terms of the the, the highest weekly scorers. Um, I'm seeing you you sitting there having a sip of your cocktail, Liam. I've, I've realised <laughs> that we forgot to you know, the, the listeners' favourite segment, the the cocktail of the week. It looked a little bit pinky in colour again. Have, have we gone for a, another Sex in the City so, inspired drink? Yeah, let's not drag me into this. I remember that I have this cocktail. You didn't, so let's not let's not drag me into that. But yeah, this is a summer passion, so it is passion fruit liqueur, strawberry liqueur, lemonade, and pi- pineapple juice. Really simple. Whack it into a glass with some ice. Stir it. You don't need to shake it or anything. Uh, it's good to go. It's actually really nice. It's the first time I've tried it, so. Looks looks very nice. Looks very fresh and summery on this cold, rainy September evening. Yeah. What what else do you want yeah. on a rainy September evening? Something to remember about the summer? Exactly. Well, I've, I've got a nice decaf <laughs> cup of tea. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, nothing uh, that's says my British like tea, huh? Absolutely. Um, so diving into the, the big news um unfortunately all, all, all of the big news to be honest is injury related so uh so the, the the first big injury that went down we got ryan fitzpatrick he's now i'm going to get this wrong but it's a subluxation of the hip which i've been told is not as severe as a, a full dislocation apparently it's sort of a bit like a a dislocation, but it doesn't leave the joint. It sort of comes out and goes straight back in. So it's not as bad as a full dislocation. Apparently, six to eight weeks, he has gone on IR. 
um, this this means it's time for, for Taylor Heineke. We don't like to take victory laps at all. And I know you tweeted about it earlier, but neither of us like taking victory laps. I'm not saying that we expected this to happen to Fitzpatrick specifically, but it's a very tough sport. They're running full pelt every play. Something is going to happen. That's why we try to get the message out, get those backup quarterbacks, because when one does get the starting role, they'll spike in value, and you'll see that with Taylor Heineke over the next couple of days. Probably happened as soon as the the timeline of six to eight weeks came out for Fitzpatrick. I think, although I'm not a massive fan of Heineke, sorry, Rich, um, I, I do think that you've got to look at his prize tag now and, and depending on whether you're contending or not, whether you need those bye week um, covers over the next, say, when does when do the bye week start? Week four, so in, over the next three to eight weeks. And you start looking at that QB3 and Heineke is a good one-year rental. I think... For me, you know, I, I don't like taking injury victory laps, as you said, but for me, it's it's easy. I've, I've already sold him in one league for a second. This is a guy that I picked up off waivers in the off-season. I've, I've just basically got a second for free. If, if you can make those moves, it's, it's how you gain value. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and if you've not missed out on Heineke this time around, okay, but, but perhaps use this as a lesson. Go out and buy some of those backup quarterbacks, you know. One that I'm starting to buy more and more is um, is Jacob Brissett, and uh, and that's n- not me saying that I think Tua is going to get benched, but I wouldn't be shocked if with his playing style he could get injured. I'm not sure if potentially you know we we could see him get benched if he doesn't buck his ideas up, and Jacob Brissett's a guy that's you know produced in the NFL. We've seen him be fantasy relevant, so. That's a, a high-end backup that I think could could be usable if you've got a free bench spot. You know, you're not probably not going to have to battle anyone to get him off the waivers uh, on your on your Tuesday run. Um, so the other the, the next big industry, um, and I believe we've we've got some breaking news is that it's Raheem Mostert uh, originally expected to be out for eight weeks with chipped cartilage in his knee. Um, he's now announced that he is officially done for the season. What what do you make of uh, of most uh, flashing? I think he had three three plays and, and then I do feel much bad done for again. The guy. Like, he you can tell that he's a good player. He's so fast, but he just can't shake this injury bug and I don't know whether he actually gets back to playing at least in a starter role for, from now on. He's already decently old, so do we see him come back at all? I I, I don't know personally. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to wonder if you whether um, he, he could potentially be done. Um, I know his contract situation. He he re-signed it and redid it at the um, at the beginning of the last year. So it, it could potentially be that this is this is it for for most of it and and we're sort of moving on. Um, the other big injury um, was. Jerry Judy, I mean, to be honest, having seen what happened to his ankle slash leg live, um, a high ankle sprain is, is quite frankly fantastic news because when I saw it happen, I, I, I feared that that was him done for the season and, and potentially into next year. It looked horrific. Um, so his kind of expectation is four to six weeks. Um, I'll be honest, with high ankle sprains, they always tend to linger. I always think it's one of these injuries that people come back from. Um, he'll probably be back in four weeks, but it'll probably take him eight weeks before he's kind of back back to fully health. Do you, do you think that you'd, you'd be looking at some of the other options in that passing offence? Um, for bi-week fill-ins, maybe. But I think Jerry Judy, when he comes back, will get back to full speed. Or when he gets back to full speed, sorry, he'll get back to what we expect him to have been for, the, for this season. Um, I didn't see the injury live or I haven't seen the video up to now. So um, I really do hope that it doesn't linger because I had high hopes for Jerry Judy. He's a great route runner. Um, just an utter 
thrill to watch on tape. So hopefully he gets back, but we'll we'll have to see about that. Um, I do think that Patrick yeah, think- and Hamler, who we'll probably talk about a bit later on, um, will have a great opportunity for them. I do like Hamler at the moment, but he, he's not going to be waiver-worthy in 90% of deep leagues, at least. We, we might as well discuss it now, Lynn. So for me, I think that Tim Patrick's probably the more likely to be fantasy relevant. He's probably the more likely to be on your waiver wire. And I think that, you know, if you're in a deeper league, a, a 25-man roster plus, there's, there's going to be a lot worse guys that you can go out and pick up. I'd, I'd certainly feel comfortable going and spending kind of 20, 30% of my fab on him. Um, I think that would be a, a decent add. Um I do think he's a bit of a floor play, though. I think he's he's more likely to get the volume. He's he's probably going to be a you know a, a five to ten points, maybe maybe twelve, fifteen if if he gets a touchdown kind of guy. Um, I think KJ Hamler. We took it's funny because we talked about him two weeks ago, wasn't it? And we said I said I think the exact quote was even if people get injured in the offense and he was the number one, I'd, I'm not sure I'd want him. And to be honest, I, I kind of stand by it. Um, I think it's interesting news out of Denver is that he's he's running with the ones um, in practice. Uh, so it looks like he's going to kind of get the opportunity to start over Judy. But I just think he's going to be so boom bust. You know, he, you look at the stats from, from week one, he's he's led the team in A yards. He is that deep threat. Um, yes, if, if he catches two of them and one of them goes for a touchdown, then that's absolutely a starting week. But that's just not a guy that, that I want on my roster week in, week out, basically, because I don't think... I'm ever going to feel comfortable starting him. And then when I do start him, it's uh, probably the week that he busts. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, the issue is you've got to try and figure out which one's going to take up that volume. I I don't think it's all going to go to Sutton, Fant, and then the running back situation. I do think that another wide receiver is going to step up. But is it going to be a split between them? Is it going to be one or the other? I, I, I'm probably staying away unless I can absolutely help it, uh, help it. But if you can pick one off waivers, you've got nothing to lose, as Rich did with Heineke. You pick them up, you sell them. Voila, you've got a free pick, right? You didn't have that before, and you've not lost anything other than maybe dropping someone that you probably wasn't going to pick for anyway. So, yeah. And then the, the final injury news. Um, Probably, to be honest, it's probably not fancy relevant anymore, but I guess it's just, you know, pull one out for Rashad Penny, injured yet again. This is a, a flare-up of the calf that he seems to have had constantly. Um, but, yeah, what, what do you think? Are you are you excited by DJ Dallas? Or, I'm not uh, excited by not? anyone in that um, backfield, to be honest. It, my issue is I really like Penny, and I thought that he had good chance to do anything but he just hasn't shown that and I think this is the final straw for me but maybe he comes back in a couple of weeks because it's only out for say I think it was a couple of weeks two to three weeks so maybe he comes back and he's good but I think that is that is literally grasping at anything you can try and find I don't think it's going to happen and if you have Penny and anyone's probably willing to buy him for anything I'd be selling right now but Good luck trying to find someone because yeah. I don't think anyone's. I think everyone's got to the same point I am. I'm, you know me. I'm, I'm all for rostering as many running backs as I can, but he's, he's fast approaching that roster clogger territory. I, I just can't see a world where he is relevant. I just can't see a world where, you know, he, he's, he's kept beyond this year. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Um, I, I just don't know if. I can't see him re-signing anywhere and being relevant unless he suddenly gets a, you know, maybe he needs to go on one of these <laughs> vegan diets and uh, the, doing the Tom Brady diet. Like Absolutely. Um, so the, the dynasty stock market, Liam, so we're going to talk through some risers and fallers. So did you want to take us through some some of the, the key risers in terms yeah. of value? Yeah, so we've, we've, we've already spoken about three at least that we've got on the list. So we've got Debo Samuel. Um, he's he had over a fifty percent target share. I don't see that every week, but if you can sell right now, <laughs> I think I think anything you know approaching that a thirty percent target yeah, share. That, that is what I meant. So, but, yeah, yeah, that's 
I think I think it's really fascinating because I I don't know what's happened with Brandon Ayuk. You, you you've had instances where someone's fallen out of Carl Shanahan. We we saw the same thing with Trey Sermon, who I think we'll talk about in a bit. Um, I wonder if it could just be a one week thing and and Ayuk could be back. But yeah, I, th- I think if I can sell Demo for for an absolute haul, I'm going to do it. But if maybe you know, maybe it is he is going to be the one. Maybe he's going to be the one that this offense runs through. It'll be it'll be interesting. To I, watch, I think certainly. with Debo specifically, we've got what I said in the off season. I can't remember which episode it is. The boot. Yeah, they all just merge into one at this point during the off season. But I said in one of them that I think one week we're going to get a Kittle week, the next we're going to have an IU week, the next we're going to have a Samuel week, and it'll just keep switching and no one will know what week your player is going to go off. Like I didn't have Debo in one of my lineups. I think it was against Murph actually in the Rules Mania League. I took him out and he went he went off. But I don't think if I put him in next week, I'm going to get that same production or anywhere close. Like, And I mean, as you said, 30% target share is probably the ceiling that I was looking at. I wasn't expecting a 52% target share. And I don't think he's going to get back to that this season. Or if he does, you're not going to predict it and he will be sat on your bench. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I guess the, the, the one concern I have about Brandon Ayuk that would be a great thing for Debo Samuel is is kind of, I've got memories of Dante Pettis. And Dante Pettis was, a I think, a second-round pick of the 49ers. He came, he had that incredible stretch down the season, the end of the season. Everybody was hyping in going into his sophomore year. I think he was sort of a fifth, fifth-round pick in redraft. Um, and then he, he just completely disappeared. You know, he did nothing in his sophomore year. I think he was injured in his third year and, and then he ended up being released. I think he might still be on the Giants. Pass on that. Um, I'm not sure if he, if he... He was definitely on the Giants in training camp. I'm not sure if he made the cuts uh, for the uh, the roster bubble. But, like, you know, if, if you'd have said to someone after his rookie year that Dante Pettis was never going to be fancy relevant again, they'd have probably oh, shot you. Yeah. It's... And, and that's that's the one really, really scary thing that I've kind of got at the back of my mind when it comes to brand name. Yeah, I, I remember the very first Dynasty League I was in, I had no clue what I was doing. And I sent, looking back at some of the offers, I sent some awful offers for Dante Pettis and Kerry on Johnson. Look how they turned out three years down the line. I, I, I genuinely got told, you have no idea what you're doing. Here's some trade value charts. And that was how I discovered calculators and charts. Like, <laughs> Well, you'll, you'll be pleased to know. I'm just glad I didn't trade for them. There's, there's, hope, there's hope yet for your carry on Johnson because he is breaking news. He is literally just signed for the 49ers to be on their practice squad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's ever going to be relevant. But I mean, there's, there's He got cut from the Eagles, so I'm not expecting much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not expecting anything. Um, so moving on to the next guy. So again, we've highlighted him. We won't we won't stick on him too long. James Winston, obvious winner of the week. Um, you know, 29 points, QB3 on the week, um, five touchdowns, no picks. Obviously, you know, this is the greatest advert for LASIK surgery you, you could ever dream of, I guess. Yeah. I'm you can see the anguish that they've got on my face right now. I had to watch this game. Um, I turned it off when we got to 33-3. to It was awful. (laughs) The issue with this game, it was so weird because they started near enough every drive around the 50 or in our own territory. If you don't know, I'm a Green Bay fan. So I just don't see him scoring five touchdowns on an average week. I know that it's a it's a ceiling play, sure. but I don't see this happening may, maybe once for the rest of the season. I don't see this happening often enough. Um, but he, the, the thing that we haven't mentioned is he threw for under 150 yards because of the type of game it was. He started from like the 20 and the, the 10 and the 15, or three consecutive drives, I believe it was. The Packers played awful. Rogers had two awful picks. It, I don't see this happening on any sort of consistent basis. About, I just think that it's oh, to boom week. If you can sell Winston, perfect. But 
I really do want to see him in a proper game before I make a decision on whether Winston's going to be the 30 to 30, uh, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions season where he threw for like 4,000 yards and was a top five QB or whether he's going to be replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is an absolute ceiling from him. You you can't expect five touchdowns on, what was it, 20 pass attempts, I think it was in total. So we're talking, you know, we talked about Aaron Rodgers having like a 9% touchdown rate last year and that being unsustainable and a career high and all that kind of thing. Well, James Winston threw one game at 25% touchdown rate. You know, it's it's pretty scary. I mean, he completed Um, 14 passes. Five of them were touchdowns. That's a thirty-three percent rate on completed passes being a touchdown. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I, I think the 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 pleasing thing for me was was that I think that watching the game, this is a Sean Payton offense with James Winston playing within the Sean Payton offense, and I think that was my concern was that James Winston wasn't kind of moldable but it was it wasn't if apart from a couple of the deep shots and the the deep shot at the end of the game to Deontay Harris outside of that it wasn't that different a game plan from what you'd see with Drew Brees on the center so to me that's exciting for as a James Winston owner in quite a lot of leagues because I see this as yes we're going to have we're going to have interceptions we're going to have you know higher turnover weeks than this but if we can be a, a you know, you joked about the 30 and 30, but if we could be at like a 35 and maybe 10 or 15 touchdown, uh, 15 interceptions, that's going to be hugely fantasy relevant because this offence is, is going to put up yards. Don't forget, it's got Michael Thomas coming back to it. This offence is going to be really interesting, I think, moving forward. Plus, the thing that shocked me the most was that James Winston was running around. I thought, like... James Winston used to be that statue that that had that huge gut in Tampa and didn't move. But yeah, he he, he looked like a different quarterback the way he was rushing. And, you know, he picked up several first downs rushing. And and that to me, you know, yes, he's not going to be a, you know, a Kyla Murray or Lamar in terms of his rushing upside. But that, that you know, two, three extra points, he's huge. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued um, seeing him move forward um, certainly over the next couple of weeks. I think if he can keep those tu- those uh, interceptions in check, then he's absolutely going to, you know, be a QB2 at, at worst. Um, who, who else we got? So as a, as the a Detroit Lions offense put up, what was it, the fourth or the fifth most points on the week and still lost the game. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, I think with that whole offense in general, I wasn't expecting that, and I don't think they were doing very well until the second half. And um, got through a pick six, but then somehow got back to thirty odd points, or I think it was twenty odd points, um, fantasy wise. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't want to buy into this too much, but I do think they will be passing the ball a hell of a lot this year. They're going to be from behind. They've just lost Jeff Okuda, I believe. Um, who's their their first round cornerback pick from last year? I think that this offense does have the wheels to get going, but whether those wheels spin very fast is something else. Uh, but I am very surprised that the two offenses we thought, as a community anyway, everyone watching the NFL, the two offenses that we thought weren't going to do very well. Ended up putting 32, uh, 33 or 37 points. And I'm talking about the Texans as well, who pulled off the win. And then going back to my Packers, we put up three, a measly 10% of their their uh, their points. So. Yeah, if you'd, have, you'd have, if you'd have put a bet on the Texans outscoring the Packers by 30 points, Rich. I think you'd have uh, you'd been carted out the, uh, the bookies in a straitjacket, I think. Um, I think it's really interesting. Look, the, the worry about this Detroit offense was, is the offense going to be able to sustain TJ Arkinson and DeAndre Swift? And DeAndre Swift is still not fully healthy. He's he's still coming back from injury. But we've seen that, yes, a lot of it is garbage time. 
this offense can sustain both of them. I think, yes, but obviously these, these are ceiling weeks. Um, but I think that if you've got Swift shares, if you've got Hawkinson shares, you, you can rest a little bit easier um, because I think they are the one and two in terms of how this offense is going to work. The one interesting one, and, and you won't see this looking at, you know, whether it's basic box score numbers, whether it's advanced statistics, is, is Tyrell Williams. I'm really interested because he went out with a concussion halfway through the game. Prior to that that head hit, he had a 25% target share and, and he was looking like very much the, the kind of focal point of that passing sack outside of TJ Hawkinson. Obviously, he went off. We got into garbage time. Jared Goff started throwing the ball all over the place and, you know, Khalif Raymond, Quintus Cephas, Amarasset Brown, even Trinity Benson got a couple of targets. You know, those four guys all suddenly look all right in terms of the box score stats and fantasy stats. But if if I've got, you know, he, he could be on waivers if, if I want to go and chuck a, you know, a sneaky third or, or something at the Tyrell Williams owner because his box score doesn't look great. But I'm telling you, before that head injury... Um, he was he was very much looking like the yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. So that makes me happy for the Tyrell Williams shares that I do have, even though he's now injured. The one person you didn't mention in any of that was Jamal Williams. Everyone thought that he was going to be a, a backup or anything like that, but he received nine targets. Yeah, I didn't want to steal your thunder. I know we're going to talk about him in a bit. I thought I thought we could, you know, I didn't want to. I know, but I, I've got a I've got a shout out uh, an old Green Bay Packer, and honestly, the energy that it brings to any team, I, I just love seeing him succeed personally, as uh, just from a fan point yeah, of view. Yeah, um, and then I guess the, the next big riser for me, um, perhaps maybe both both you and I need to eat a little bit of crow on this one. Is, is Justin Herbert? Um, you know, I think we talked about him being held up as that QB6 in Dynasty, some some leagues even higher. Um, I'll be honest, his his performance was one of the best, the best pieces of tape I think I've watched in the last two or three years. Bearing in mind, this is a guy that is in his second year in the league. It is a new offence. It is, you know, yes, similar personnel, but it's a brand new offensive line, basically. He, he was mind-blowing. He was absolutely impressive. He So he had 16 pass attempts on third, third down, and he completed 13 of them for 11 first downs. That is just unheard of. Like, that is incredible efficiency. And... Look, he, he had some ridiculous kind of efficiency stats in terms of under pressure when he was blitzed, that kind of thing that, that looked unsustainable. Yes, these, you know, this third down rate, there is nowhere they're keeping that rate up for the rest of the year. But it just to me, it just shows that this this guy is is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. And he's been schemed up to allow him to perform. And I'm I'm really excited about him going forward. I think from a a fancy perspective, obviously, you know, I think he's he's going to be good. He's going to be used, but I don't know if he's going to pay off that QB6 price. But I'm beginning to feel like this is a quarterback that you're going to have for the next 10, 15 years because I was honestly blown away by how impressive he was. Yeah, again, this is a guy I haven't watched any tape on but uh, since the, the weekend, but I really hope that he does keep this up. I just want to see it for another couple of weeks. If he's still doing this at week three and he's still blowing our minds, then I'm, I'm all up for him being a top five, top six quarterback in Dynasty. At the moment, I just want to see it for the extra couple of weeks and then I, I'm all on board. Um, I just think that I'm not ready to jump in and this is going to end up being a PSA for everyone listening. Week one doesn't mean this is what's going to happen for the entire season. Don't overreact. Yes, we're going to have injuries, but just because Kyler Murray was the QB1 this week doesn't mean it's going to happen in any other week. So don't take it as that. Equally with Kyle Pitts, um, I wanted to bring this one up specifically because I've seen a lot of Twitter being a lot more split than they were pre-season. With I think I, I think Kyle Pitts put up five points this week, so I think P 
people really need to start taking a step back and realizing that week one doesn't mean this is going to happen for the rest of the season. It just means this is what's happened this week. Let's try and take what we can from it, but not overreact to anything, either good or bad. Victory laps are the worst, but week one victory laps are just hilarious, aren't they? You see, you see one week and people are saying, right, he's a bust, he's fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Have we got have we got one more winner? We, we do, one yeah. Sorry. So, I, again, I didn't watch this game. I, I only tuned in for the Packers game this week, unfortunately. But uh, I'm pretty sure my dad, who's an Eagles fan, would have absolutely loved this game because he, he would have been watching it. Um, had a adjusted completion rate of 90%, which is an absolutely insane, and I mean insane, it's completion rate. That, that's, yeah. I, I never heard of that. Led the league, I believe. Led, led the league in adjusted completion percentage this week, um, which which is a PFF stat, for those of you who don't know. It basically takes out any throwaways, any drops, any batted balls, all that kind of thing. Um and also, I think the, the impressive thing is it, that, that was always a 7.5 yards per attempt. Um, I think look, we, we knew that Jalen Hurts was going to offer some rushing upside. We knew that he was going to be that mobile quarterback. The question was, was he going to be a good enough passer to kind of move the offense to allow him to, to continue to keep the job and, and be fancy relevant? And through one week, you know, yes, it's only one week, but he's absolutely ticked that box. He was He was really impressive. Um, nothing more I can say on that really the one thing we need to mention is yeah we know that he's a rushing quarterback but he rushed for 7 attempts and picked up 62 yards that's a 80 8.86% 8.86 yards per carry that's pretty good I'm not going to say no to that (laughs) any week Um, but again this goes back to what i just said about week one let's not think that it's going to happen every week this was against a very poor falcons team he's not going to have this matchup every week but at least we know that the the end of the season last year wasn't just a flash in the pan and he can do this especially against bad defenses so moving on to the fallers rich um we'll we'll start off with zeke so he very much struggled, and I think a lot of people expected that against the Bucks defense, who they have one of the best defensive lines in the league. Let's not be around the bush. Um, and that really pains me to say as a Packers fan from last year, and I know Murph's listening or will be listening at some point and will be smirking because that, that takes me a lot to say. But Zeke really, really struggled, and I mean really struggled. I watched half of this game, and it was... Very poor to watch. Yes, the game plan was not to rush with Zeke. It was to pass, especially with how Brady started looking for the for the majority of this game. Um, but still, are you worried about Zeke? Yeah, yeah, in all honesty. And I know that it seems to be a kind of a consensus going by low on Zeke. And I, I fully get that idea. And from a rushing standpoint... I think, yeah, going by low because I think that that rushing production is going to come. The, the Bucks are probably the best front seven in terms of stopping the run in the league. But the thing that scared me about Zeke was the, the receiving usage. He, he basically didn't get used. He, he had a career low 3.5% target share, which is pathetic. We saw Tony Pollard getting schemed up in open space on screens and dump offs and things like that. And and that's a real concern because where Zeke, you know, goes from being a, a back end RB1, early RB2 into that top five, six option that, that he has been for the last few seasons is because he gets the rushing volume. But on top of that, he gets that receiving work. And if he's going to start missing out on that receiving game work, that that's terrifying me. Um, if I'm a Zeke owner, I'm, I'm probably not selling now. Yeah, because I think you're it. selling low. Um, I'm probably waiting for it. I mean, I say that I, I live by the you know always be selling <laughs> running backs. So, uh, so yeah, I think you should be selling at some point. But at this moment in time, I'd, I'd probably hold and, and wait for a boom week to try and sell. Um, so going going back to San Francisco, then Liam, we touched on it a little bit earlier. I guess there's two 
fairly head scratching, questionable uh, kind of performances or, or lack of performance. So let's start with Trey Sermon. He was a healthy scratch. Who saw that coming? You know, he was running with the ones in in preseason camp was was good by all accounts. All the reports were good, and he's a healthy scratch in week one. What um, would you make of that? Just wow! I, I have no other words. I have no idea what to say on this. I've not seen any reason why he was. There's, that nothing has come out on this, so we have no idea why. And what blows my mind even more is he was a third round pick, I believe. Um, so. He was a third-round pick this year. Then we have Jermichael Hasty, who was on the practice squad last year, and Elijah Mitchell, who was a sixth-round pick this year. Both were active and took over from Moster, who got injured halfway through the game. I don't know what this means, and I'd be lying if I started to try and say what I knew because, I, honestly, there's no information to go off. I don't know what this means. I do think he'll start to be active more during the, the coming weeks because of the most injury. But I honestly have no idea what this means, why he was inactive. And it's quite worrying that I've he was got, just a healthy scratch. I've got two theories. I don't know if either are correct, but there's two theories. I think one is that he's he's annoyed Mike Shanahan. Uh, yeah. Carl Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. <laughs> it shows how old I am. Um, I've, I've, he's perhaps annoyed, you know, whether he missed a meeting or something like that. We've seen it happen before, um, or two, and it, it was a it was a special teams thing in that both Hasty and Elijah Mitchell play special teams. I don't know if Trey Sermon doesn't. Could it be that they felt they were going to ride Raheem Mostert as as the RB one and and use Hasty and Mitchell for special teams, and that was why Trey Sermon was a, a healthy scratch. Now with the the most their injury, I wonder if that means that <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if knowing the 49ers and how their backfield works, if Trey Sermon was the starter and, and logged 20 carries next week. Like if for me, I still believe in Trey Sermon. And I think for me, I'm viewing this as a bit of a buy low. If I can go and go buy him for a second round pick, um, I'm probably gonna Yeah, I'm with you. But um, let's move on to the other San Francisco 49er that we, we've already spoken <laughs> about a little bit, so we won't take too long. But Brandon, I, what what happened here? I, again, I didn't watch the game, but I, I know, yeah. from the stats, it doesn't look well, very the, good. The strange thing was, no, the strange thing was, was that obviously he wasn't healthy. He was carrying this this niggle, this, this soft tissue injury. There was potentially some thought that he might be eased off, might potentially not play. That's that's fine. But he played 26 snaps. He ran 15 routes and he didn't get a single target. And they were also using him on pump return. So to me, if, if he's not fully fit, why would you be using him on the pump return? Surely you, 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 you know, if you're going to limit him to 15 snaps or 20 snaps or whatever, those are your snaps as a receiver. But who knows? Who knows? I, I think I'm I'm not overreacting to it. I think I'm still, you know, holding him if I've got him, and I'm just going to see if I can wait it out. If if we have another performance like this next week, then yeah, I'm I'm, I'm panic stations. But I I think that I believe in the talent. I believe in the, t- the 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 situation, and I believe in in that offense. And I think that. I hope. I do think that the talent's there. I'm just really worried as to why he didn't get the targets, and you can't even put it down to the game plan because Debo got all of his targets, Kittle still got his targets, and Aduka um, may have gone, um, Akuda, sorry, may have gone out halfway through this, the game. So, what actually happened here? For it to for him to have no targets, not even the game plan moving away from him because they didn't try to run the ball as much as you would expect if they were really really far ahead. So again, but I, I don't really know, and I think next week will tell us everything we need to know about Ayuk. I still have this inkling inside of me that it will be a kind of a maybe. We'll see one wide receiver one week, wide one the other, and then a kittle week and a running back week or whatever. But moving on, Rich, 
and I don't really want to bring this up, but it's on the show sheet, so I, I'm obligated to. The Green Bay offense, I'm going to let you speak because if I do, I'm probably going to go on a little five-minute rant. So you speak first, and I'll just pick up afterwards. I think, I think you've just got to draw this up as a bad day at the office. You know, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers' worst fantasy performance in his entire career. I think for me, I still believe in the talent. If I've got Rodgers, if I've got Adams, if I've got Aaron Jones, I'm absolutely holding. I think those are the three pieces of this offence that you want. And, and I don't think any differently after a, a horror show. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they came out and, and were fantastic next week. But yeah, I'm, I'm not panicking. Um, of course, this, you know, the stock's falling a little bit, as well we're mentioning here, but I'm, I'm not panicking at all. Um, so now moving on to our, our Player of the Week segment. Uh, so I'll let you go first. You've already hinted at, at who we're going to be talking yeah, about. So for, Jamal Williams. Former Packer. So he really surprised people this week. I know that I, I'm in a league with someone that said he was going to be the uh, starting running back for the for the Lions. And we were all sceptical. But I didn't expect this performance. I expected him to get like secondary running back um, a performance like he did in Green Bay. But he had nine uh, rushing attempts for 54 yards and a touchdown and then also had nine targets for eight receptions and 56 um, yards receiving. So that is an incredible game for someone that I'd expect to be an RB2. Um, I just don't think he's going to do it like very often. I was going to say every week, but I really don't think he's going to do that. I think... It's not going to be a very often thing that it actually happens. Um, it will see, but I do think Swift, when he gets healthy, will start to take over a little bit more. I just think that Jamal Williams will be taking some of those touches, especially the targets, um, because he he's so underrated as a pass-catching back. I've sort of seen him throughout his career in Green Bay that people don't realise how good he is in pass uh, protection, which will get him on the field and get snaps. And then in pass-catching situations, he's so trusted. And I think the Lions have realised that immediately rather than taking a couple of games to get used to it. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I, I liked him at, at cost this year. I, I think that he is going to have a role in the offence. I think he's going to be one of these flex worthy you know in bye week guys that is an injury away from being an absolute stud um and i think we, we've seen that through one week so yeah com- completely agree with that my my player of the week is actually um going to be joe mixon so he finishes the rb2 as we mentioned earlier and the big thing for me is that i've never been a huge joe mixon fan i've believed in the talent but i've never really believed in the opportunity um and now with Gio bernard gone we we've seen that opportunity in in a, a huge amount you know he had an 82.5% opportunity share he had over a 15% target share this this offense is or sorry, this running back role in what's going to be a decent offense is Joe Mixon's and Joe Mixon's alone um i think for me he's a top 6 running back on the year now um and and if you can go out and buy him, um, you know, if you're a true contender in dynasty circles, absolutely. I think he's he's a fantastic guy because I really believe that this offense is gonna is gonna move the ball. I think they're gonna be in some shootouts, and I think that Joe Mixon is, is gonna be leaned on. You know, he, he led the league in terms of rushing attempts. Yes, they went into overtime, which contributed to that, but they're they're not worried about giving him the ball and, and letting him run that rock. I I really like Really like him, and I think that this opportunity just speaks for yeah, itself. Really, I, I, I've been calling um, Joe Mixon's name throughout um, the off season as a as a as a value, and I I think that I've, and most people wanted that opportunity to be there, and it finally is. I think just a couple of seasons too many of getting injured and having having issues with production, and most a lot of people have fallen out of that, um, but. I do think that buying high right now isn't the best way to go, even if you're a contender. For, for me personally, I don't want to buy people that have just come off a RB2 or 3 game, whichever one he was. 
Um, because the, I, I do think there's going to be down weeks, but I do think Mixon will be at, at least a running back one, so a top 12 running back this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the deep dive player of the week, Liam. So digging into those weeds for some unheard of names. Who, so who you got here? I don't know how much of a deep dive this guy is for me because we've spoken about him already, <laughs> and uh, the name on every yeah, he's, he's already um, at the top of people's waiver wires. He's trending on sleeper at the moment. He was in your waiver wire article today. Um, so that's Elijah Mitchell. So he went for 19 rushing attempts for 104 yards and a touchdown. Um, had no targets whatsoever. But with Mostert now out for the entire season, I originally put him on here because Mostert was out for for six to eight weeks, but now he's out for the season. And we have no idea what Sermon's done. Do we see anything from Elijah Mitchell? I think that for his cost right now, he's not a bad pickup. But I do wonder how um, Jermichael Hasty gets involved because he wasn't that involved um, during this game, and I wonder what happens with Sermon when he comes back. I think this this backfield is to me the complete oxymoron of I want every piece of this backfield and I want the the, the lead back in this backfield, but I also want no part of this backfield because it is such a headache because. Whoever's the lead back, you know he's going to be fancy relevant and he's going to put up stats. But who the hell that back is going to be on any given week, you just don't know. So, so yes, I think, you know, if, if Elijah Mitchell is on your waiver-wise, by all means go and I'd probably spend a decent chunk of fab on him. You know, I'd, I'd probably potentially look at something in the sort of 40 to 50% range. But equally, if I've got Elijah Mitchell on my rosters, I am selling. I've seen quotes of, you know, people asking me about, I've been offered a second Take for Elijah it. Mitchell. And it's like, yeah, smash, it. smash acceptance. It's, um, yeah, I, I think that, as I said, this backfield is incredible, but who's going to be the lead back? Any Anyone's guess, really. Um, so my deep dive player of the week. Uh, so I've cheated, as as usual, and I've actually gone for two. Um, so I've gone for my guy, Juwan Johnson. Um, I'm, I'm very pleased. I'm sure Mark from the DFS pod will, uh, will give me some abuse at some point. But he was one of my my sleepers. I stuck him in my uh, my fan team lineup, and, uh, and he came good. He, he he played 12 snaps. He ran 10 pass routes and managed three targets for three receptions, two touchdowns and 21 yards. That is incredible efficiency. Overshadowed. Um, Adam Troutman, who's supposed to be the tight end one in that offense, he played 82% of the team snaps and and was, you know, the more targeted. He had six targets. He had that 30% target share, which led all tight ends in the league before Monday night game. Um, and the the kind of, I guess, the, the looking at it statistically, you're saying you should be probably selling Juwan Johnson because that target share, that snap rate isn't sustainable. And going out and buying and targeting Adam Troutman because he's the guy that's playing all the snaps. He's the guy that's, you know, getting that target share. And I, I just sort of like, I'm sort of undecided. I kind of think, agree with that. I think absolutely sell high on Johnson. I think Troutman is, is an under-the-radar guy to go and get. But I also do wonder, Adam Troutman only ran 18 pass routes. Juwan Johnson ran 10 pass routes on the 12 snaps he was on the field. Like, is this a is this going to be an opportunity if Adam Troutman's going to be the guy that's on the field for 70, 80% of the time and, and every time it's a run play? But Juwan Johnson is such a threat in the red zone. I do wonder if he, he's he got some potential kind of touchdown upside and could fall into the end zone and and eventually be kind of a potential streaming tight end. What do you think, Liam? Who, who would you go yeah, for? Yeah, so... To? I think Juwan Johnson is just that one name that no one really thought much of until this game. Troutman, from when I was watching, it, he didn't look very good. And yes, I'm using tape eyes here, not fantasy. But he had a couple of passes where they were thrown to him. They were catchable balls and he managed to either drop them or the defender came in and and broke it up in some way, shape, or form. There was one that I distinctly remember where it was a pass over the middle. 
that should have been a catch and started to run up the field. And he bobbled the ball and just got taken out by a defender because he was too focused on this bobbled ball. And it should have been just a catch into the chest. It, I don't know what it is with Troutman. I didn't like him at the price that he was going at in the off-season. Um, I do think that this could be a decent buy-low window, but I'm just staying away from tight end in general in Dynasty. Um, I don't think that there's enough value spike for you to gain actual value out of it because people won't pay that high, maybe second round pick just because they've had a good week um, because they're a tight end and they're so replaceable. Yeah, and I think the the one thing as well that's making me feel that that Juwan Johnson could be something is you just look at the film, as you said, but you also look at, say, PFF isn't everything, but the PFF grade. So Adam Troutman's receiving grade was in the 30s last week. Juwan Johnson was in the 80s. Like, if if PFF telling me that Adam Troutman was that awful on passing the plays, then, uh, then certainly something I want to listen to. Um, but, Liam, we are going to dive into the mailbag. We've got three listener questions, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get through these nice and quickly. Um, one, we've, we've kind of already touched on a little bit, but uh, I'm conscious I gave my opinion but didn't really get yours. So this is from ATM2016, who is in our Dynasty Listener League. Um, he says, is Zeke at the beginning of the end or is this an overreaction to the Bucks defense? I think it's somewhere in the middle and I'm used to you skipping my opinion, Rich, as I found out during the Dynasty Listener League <laughs> where um, I was away and gave you free reign on the uh, draft and you just went through and went running back, running back, running back, running back, as you normally do. And then told proceeded to tell me within my last four picks that you did like any of them. And I noticed before before we do this, I noticed that one of them made it into your waiver wire article. So I'm taking that as a win. Um so for the those that don't know that's Jamo Shaughnessy, uh Titan from Jacksonville. Anyway, back to this question. So I think that I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't think that Zeke is going to get back to um, the running back that we previously thought he was, where he was going as the one of the top four running backs quite comfortably. I do think that we are overreacting to potentially the top defensive line and the top defence in the entire league. Um, I do, and Quite frankly, can you tell me who's got a better top seven or a front seven than the Bucks defence? I don't think I could name a team that have such a solid and star-worthy front seven in the entire league. And we're kind of comparing Zeke to that. Yeah, maybe throughout Pittsburgh when they're fully healthy. But I think in terms of run-stopping front seven... Exactly. um, I just think that we are overacting a little bit, but I also don't think he's going to bounce back to top four status. Um, I do think that he could be a top 12 running back for the entire season going forward. But in general, I just don't expect that top end performance. I also don't expect him to fall off the face of the earth this season. Um, But moving on, because you've already answered that question, Rich. So Gary Acko, 17, from Twitter. um, I know you really like this question, Rich. So not including rookies, how do you react either to not um, players getting either not onto the field or being healthy scratches. So in situations like Sermon, um, but without them being a rookie. And how long do you wait it out before you cut ties? So he's given a couple of examples. So Marlon Mack, OJ Howard, Keyshawn Vaughan from last year, who was going as a first round rookie pick in Dynasty. Um, and Josh Kelly, again, uh, another running back that, started out really good last season and then has just fallen off the face of the earth. How are you feeling about those guys specifically or in general, that kind of group and how long does it take for you to cut ties with any of them? I think this, this probably comes back to a point we made on last week's pod where we were talking about, you know, roster construction and those end of bench dashes. And I think if it's a player that I kind of count in my starting core, if you like, um, so uh, Brandon Ayuk or Trey Sermon, then I'm absolutely not panicking. I'm staying the course. If it's a guy like the ones he's mentioned, so Josh Kelly, Keyshawn Vaughan, Marlon Mack, 
So to touch on those three, first of all, obviously, you know me, I'm, I'm looking to hold as many running backs as possible. But I think Indianapolis has shown us exactly what they think with Marlon Mack. He's coming back from the Achilles tear. They've just re-signed Naeem Hines. I think Marlon Mack's done. I think he's you, you can pretty much cut bait on that. Um, Josh Kelly, yeah, he, he showed flashes last year, but to me, he's he's now the four in that offense. You've obviously got a snackler. Justin Jackson's running as the two, and I think Larry Roundtree's going to be going to be ahead of him as well. So I'm I'm moving on from him. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah, again, this you know we're, we're getting down to fourth options again. So I'm happy moving on from him. Um, OJ Howard, now this one hurts because OJ Howard's my guy. Um, but I think he only saw like three snaps total um, on Thursday night. So I think, yeah, I've, I've, you've, you should probably move on from OJ Howard. I think with all of these guys, if you're needing to, uh, to clear the roster spot for all four of those to, to make an ad, then absolutely go and do it. But if you can hold out for another week just to make sure, you know, if OJ Howard has another week where he makes plays one or two snaps, then then by all means move on. But uh but yeah, it's it's, it's tough to say that. Yeah, I, again, I'm with you on all of them. I think the only one that I'm um really looking at holding is OJ Howard. But what I was trying to say then was when is this trade that was supposedly happening last year actually going to take place for OJ Howard? I don't think it is. I think it's just going to stay like this, and this is what OJ Howard's going to be. And I think I really struggle with that because he's such a good prospect, and his profile looks really nice. And when he plays, he does really well. I just don't think he'll get on the field over Gronk. I just don't think he's fully healthy. You know, we we talked about Marlon Mack having Achilles. OJ Howard's come back from Achilles as well. Like, let's let's not forget that i do wonder if maybe i'm i'm being a bit optimistic here i do wonder if we're going to see gronk for for four or five weeks and then gronk will kind of drift off and rest up for the playoffs as we get down the stretch and that's when oj howard is is getting back to full health once we get to a year from the achilles injury and and kind of get eased back in that way yes i'm i'm being incredibly optimistic and i'm a, I'm a true aj howard believer so i'm kind of clutching at straws but um but yeah I'm, I'm hopeful but as i said for the rest of the guys i think i'm looking to load my end of bench spots with with kind of injury away running backs or or kind of number twos or number threes in backfields i think once you're getting down to number fours number fives unless it's a backfield like san francisco that you know is going to be incredible whoever they plug in um, I'm probably looking to cut bait and, and add somebody else, you know, whether it be a backup quarterback or, or somewhere else. But um, but that that concludes the pod for this week. I think the one thing I just want to say, and, and Liam touched on it earlier, is whatever happened in week one, whether you were, you know, the highest point scorer in your league, whether you got absolutely stuffed, just relax. It's one week. Don't overreact. You know, don't kind of completely throw away all of your hard work and analysis and stuff over the offseason just on, on one week of stuff um but yeah don't forget this pod has been brought to you by uh, by manscaped you can use the code five yard at manscaped.com for 20 percent off um we have got some uh, fantastic articles dropping daily uh liam had a, a really interesting read about kind of roster management and, and advice on that side of things on a Monday. Uh, I dropped my waiver wire article on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, we've got Danny's Risers and Fallers. Um, on Thursday, we've got Tomorrow Star Today again, and it's it's another banger um, from Lewis. Uh, and then on Friday, I'll be back with my Boy Sell articles. Um, Ian, did you have something yeah, about so the article? I know that. I've been looking at the feedback that we got over the past couple of weeks. And I know that a big one was how to manage your rosters. And and I know we've not spoken about it on the pod, and I don't think we are going to while this um, series is going to be running on the article. So if you are looking for advice there, feel free to message me or Rich or the Five Yard Dynasty um, Twitter account, which you can see below if you're on the um live stream or if you're not it's at five yard dynasty but 
think with roster management, it really depends on league. But if you take a look at my article that I'm going to be posting every Monday, I'm going to be trying to incorporate everything I can and make it as generalised as possible. And, and of course, everyone that works for us or writes for us, sorry, um, produces great articles. Like I know that Lewis and Dan are going to smash both of the articles that they've got. So take a look at all of them, please. Just just have a look. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us, guys. If you are viewing live on the live stream, go and grab yourself a drink, stick the kettle on. Uh, the DFS guys will be with you very shortly. Um, but if you're listening on the podcast, we will see you again next week. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.